Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross. One half of this podcast, sitting across from me here in the dungeon, is my co-partner, co-host, Dan Ream. Hello, everybody. Well, hello indeed. <laughs> it's a beautiful day we're recording on. It's yes. nice and chilly, which I like, and it's sunny, which I like even more. But we don't so. really know that because we're in a dungeon. Well, when I came down, it was like that. It could be... <laughs> It could be raining as far as I know right now. I mean, sometimes when I go to work, because I don't have any... Well, you don't either. Do you have windows in your room? I have tiny ones right at the top. Oh, that's right. So you get at least some sense of what's going on outside. I get bit. no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it could be six inches of snow and I wouldn't know it. Well, anyhow, thanks for joining us. If it's the first time, thanks for joining us and giving us a try. If you've been, if you've been here before, thanks for coming back. Yes. So uh, if you want to... If you want to, and I think you should, follow <laughs> us on social media. We're Teachers in the Dungeon on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then we are at Dungeon Teachers on X or Twitter, mm-hmm. however you like to refer to that. Yep. You can also send us an email, teachersinthedungeon at, g- at gmail.com. And we do have a website, teachersinthedungeon.weebly.com. And we always appreciate comments and reviews and ratings on the podcast where whatever wherever you're at yeah and spotify if you're listening on spotify you've got a little like there's a little answer or a comment section right there where the show appears mm-hmm. and so feel free to jump in there i noticed dan sometimes you put the uh, a question regarding the show on there so i think that's cool do you hear the rattlings in the background yes there's there. the monsters are restless there. this morning <laughs> <laughs> there's one in the room trying to sleep and the other is uh in the other room trying to cause some problems (laughs) so never mind the monsters because we have a topic that i think you will enjoy especially if you're a dm and you're doing some planning Mm -hmm. so we thought it'd be interesting and and good to talk about building a memorable npc yes because an npc can change can change the dynamics of the game and in many ways and we're going to talk about some of those ways here and it's and it's it is obviously known across the game that that's the case i I don't know how many boblin the goblin memes there are out there of you know and of course the joke is you there's a throwaway npc that immediately gets adopted and right you know so this is sort of our take on what we think are the most memorable ways or the best ways to create a memorable memorable MPC, but yeah. of course there are lots of people out there, lots of opinions on it. And if you've been playing uh, as long as, well, I suppose I have since the 1980s, NPCs back in the day, and maybe someone can correct me on this, but this was my experience. NPCs back in the day were really there to just support the group in fighting. Yeah. And so like I might have a spare fighter that just is assumed to be with the group. And sometimes that fighter would be the one that goes in first. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if there's arrows waiting or a trap that they couldn't detect, then the NPC would take, <laughs> would be the shield. <laughs> um, and so 
that was really from early on, that was my experience with NPCs. So when 5th edition rolled around and I came back to Dungeons & Dragons, it was a cool dynamic, but sometimes it was hard for me to remember that, oh, this person should have a personality and a connection. And so some of these tips are not new to me, but new to me in the last you know eight years or so. And it really enriches the game. I think it's a key element of the emotional connection that right. you see. Well, and I think we'll talk about this, but NPCs are more than just the people traveling with the campaign, which mm-hmm. is where my mindset had always been. Is that It's a non-player character, so it has to be, they have to be going with the group. Mm-hmm. NPCs can be all over. The, they can be the common people in the city. If the players interact with them, they have become an NPC. Yeah. So we have, I have five tips. Is that what you have? I do. Okay. And we, had, we did sort of touch base a little bit yep. beforehand. And we, we came up with the topic and then went our separate ways to think it out. We did. And came back with some very different, we, we went very different directions with it in, in a certain way as far as how to design. So. Yeah. When you were describing yours to me, I thought, well, let's just have you do this show because I really like the angle at which you oh. took. And so I think it's, I think yours, you go really specific with yours and mine are a bit, a bit more general. So I think I'll go first because sure. then you may have find a way to sort of uh, bring yours in alongside mine. So my first one is with an NPC. And I think this works for everything from the store shop owner clear to someone who's going to have a major impact on the game. And that is determine the motivation of of the NPC. Know what your NPC believes in. So the store store owner, in most cases, I don't know, again, this is stereotyping what this NPC might be, but they want to make money. They're in business to make money. And so, but maybe you'll come across the store owner that is more in the business of, you know, they need to make money and stay sustainable, but they like to help adventurers. And so maybe they're an information gatherer or something like that. But know what your NPCs are, but also let them be dynamic. They can change sides on something if you or if your players have been persuasive. Mm-hmm. So they might have been fighting for, let's say, the Zentarum if you're in Waterdeep. And throughout gameplay, if your players have really latched onto this person they could persuade them maybe to drop the ways of the Zentarum and maybe go with the Harpers or, or at least get them to leave the Zentarum. And so have them strong in their beliefs, but also be flexible in that if the players are really doing some good role play, that the NBC can make changes. I, th- I think that's important. I think you do that really well. There's several, this is a, a little bit tangential, but it's it's in the ballpark of what you were saying. But you've been really good about allowing us as players to pull NPCs into our orbit, so to speak. Mm. Ones that I think you intended to just be one and done. Yeah. You know, and for whatever reason we latch on to them. You and guys are kind of drag so, us along. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so good uh about that. And and you guys and, and I go back to our show last week where we talked about ways to uh, ruin your player's day. And one of those was to railroad. Mm -hmm. But you guys are so good and creative about the way in which you interact with the NPCs, especially in the Waterdeep campaign. And I guess that's something we could talk about here is that I feel like NPCs in a city campaign, which that the Waterdeep campaign is a new one, is a new experience for me because I've never run cities before. Mm the amount of people that you run into is so colossally large that you guys have been so good at like, well, 
let me let me try this angle with them and let's try mm-hmm. this angle with them and and i mean we we've talked about this on the show before also that this is the game where we've had just just role play sessions yes where hardly any dice other than maybe persuasion or insight or something um have been rolled and so um so yeah that's one of the things i that i found and discovered in that is that i need to know what these npcs believe in because if i don't they'll kind of go with whatever you say right yeah that's a lot of prep on your end and to keep those characters straight yeah and so sometimes i do go to stereotype where okay, I didn't think you guys would really want to talk to the person who sells potions as much, and so I I have to go to the stereotype of well he's in business for money, mm-hmm. and so he'll do things that you want him to do, but it it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah. Have have the motivation for your NPC. My I'll just I'll I'll throw one out, and it might I, I think it's going to piggyback on something that you're going to say. So hopefully this mm-hmm. won't get yours too badly out of order. Okay, nope. um, but it, it's it's actually kind of the same. My my first tip is to make characters recurring and you've we've kind of already talked about it so we can kind of jump through this but when, when i first started homebrewing i kind of jumped in before i knew what i was doing to be honest mm-hmm. i really did you guys i remember chris met sort of laughing about how he wanted to go down a certain street and i just said well there's nothing there <laughs> <laughs> oh i and, and i went i went into a, a tavern yes. and was like questioning the barkeep and you're like the beer is really bad and i'm like <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I need to get some information. <laughs> you did and, everything you could to get me out of there. <laughs> and I just, I, I did not realize at the time, and and bo- you guys were very gracious as far as allowing me to do that. But anyway, the as I set up the, the entire story arc, you guys were bouncing around an entire continent, which made it really difficult to have recurring characters. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I'm not sure I had a, I, I lucked out in that I, one of your first bad guys you guys came up against was a, um, a Cambion. And, mm, yes. you know, they can, you know, they can, I forget if it's, it's not Dimension Door, but they can basically get them, they can teleport, get mm. themselves out of situations easily. So you defeated him, but didn't kill him. He right. was able to escape. And that was just one of those lucky coincidences where as we went forward, I remembered him and thought, oh, I could, he could come back and it right. would make sense within the world. And it, it, and so that became fun to make that returning current character. And he became more of a frenemy by the yes. end. Yes. Um, and that, that was so useful to build, to be able to build that in. But again, recurring characters, I think in cities are, I mean, that, that that's a real good argument for having at least part of your campaign be in a place where characters return to again and again. Yeah. I mean, cause in the city you get, you keep going back to them and I, and that was, so this one is very similar to one of mine. I said, allow characters to return when it's appropriate. You don't want to railroad it where a character just keeps showing up as being like, go that way. You know, use, <laughs> I mean, you, I guess you could, and maybe that would not make it feel quite as railroady if your NPC does that. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe that's not such a bad idea. But uh, but yes, in the city, it's much easier to have recurring characters or NPCs rather. Um, and I really like the way in which you do that because you don't do. T- We've been to cities and villages, but really, it's part of the it's part of the, the the travels of our of our games. And so, you've done a nice job of bringing NPCs in that then show up 
a long time later in some cases, like um, we were talking before the show, Lathian, is that his name? Mm-hmm. He was very early in our campaign and he wanted to, we, we, we ran into him in the wilderness and he wanted to give us things, but Borum was so like obstinate and sure that this was something bad that we, he kind of drove him off. <laughs> but then Alathian showed up months later in, and, there to help us and we're like oh my gosh this guy was oh and then Borm <laughs> felt pretty bad about it but you know and and uh, Artaxis is another good one that is a, a repeater and has changed over the years and so um or over the over time I think you know bringing characters back is fun for the characters it helps make connections mm-hmm. in in the adventure sometimes Especially if it's a fun or scary or threatening or even helpful NPC, it's fun when the players recognize who it is and then either the dread comes over their face. Like sometimes when we saw Artaxas early on, we're like, oh my gosh, this guy again, <laughs> he's going to kill us. Um, or, you know, someone that's that's kind of fun like Joblob mm-hmm. in, in Waterdeep. I tried to make him sort of a mysterious yet kind of goofy sort of character so that you'd want to return to him from mm-hmm. time to time. But again, those connections, I think, are what really help with those recurring characters. Um, so that was my second one. Okay. So my second one is another tip to make a memorable NPC is to make one that's competitive with the group. Ooh. Yeah. And, you know, trying to reach the same goal. Uh, I know this has been done in Critical Role. Uh, the example that comes to mind for me, since I'm sort of a Drakenheim fan, if you've seen that, there is a uh, one of the lead characters is a a fighter from a nearby kingdom called Caspia. Yes, and Pluto Jackson, mm-hmm. and he has a a competitor, Jupiter Jones, that is also in Drakenheim for various you know to achieve glory and that sort of thing. And the way he's introduced is he's a little bit better than Pluto. Yes, and so when they first meet him they almost get into a fight with them mm-hmm. and then they decide to get into a competition instead um, taking turns fighting a troll. And, and Oh, that's right. So that, <laughs> so again, combining that with the recurring, there's that competitive edge that just heightens the emotional investment in the story. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a very useful trick for an NPC. I like that example and I like this this point because it also kind of gives you a sense of urgency mm-hmm. uh, from the player's standpoint that someone is someone is trying to achieve the same thing you are and so no goofing around. Right. Let's keep it moving and it makes each decision you make seem to have a little bit more weight because is this what the other player is this what the npc is going to be doing as well or do you are you trying to outsmart them so mm-hmm. yeah it definitely adds a new layer to the game if you know there's an npc that's trying to um, achieve the same thing you are it's very kind of indiana jones-ish you know because yeah. he always has someone that he, he knows is going after and i'm sure it's a it's a common trope it's just indiana jones is what came to mind where someone else is trying to i mean i guess 007 sometimes has that yeah. element as well Super cool. I like that one. I did not have anything like that on my list, so I, I appreciate that. So I'm going to go with, for my third item, is I think it's generally, maybe not always, but it's generally good to make sure your NPCs have big personalities. Um, so that A, they're recognizable, but also so they're interesting. 
I think it's it's what helps the players become involved and invested. It creates fun encounters. And so I think about, so I go back to Waterdeep because that's the, the game that I mainly have been playing, uh, or DMing rather. And I go back to the to the villain that you guys encountered coming back from Saltmarsh, really two villains. They were working together, Ashen Malor and Dagger Don. Mm-hmm. And so even as villains, they're, they still have big personalities. One of them's a little bit more evil. The other one is more like tough guy, but then which you guys kind of brought along mm-hmm. to even work with you a little bit. But I think, you know, so when Ashen Malor shows up in the alley and she's just like, you know, big you guys knew exactly what was going to happen or at least what her goal was. Mm-hmm. So I think those big personalities become, again, relatable to the players, can be fun because if it's a fun one like Joe Blob, that big personality is why you want to go visit that character. Right. You know, it strikes, the, again, tangent here, sorry, but you think about that, the big personality thing for an NPC, I think you see that in sitcoms. Oh, yeah. Where you think of, of you know, the the the, the side character that you just, you can't wait for them to show up because you know they're going to do something just outlandish and fun. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and again, why why is that a, a popular trope in stories and sitcoms? Because it, it, it engages the audience. In this case, the audience is is the players. We have an active creature in the dungeon this morning. Yes, the uh, made it into our, <laughs> haven't started onto up our and chamber. They haven't uh, started chewing on us yet but yeah i think we're gonna get a little <laughs> p- keyboard work over here so anyway so big personalities i think okay. that's that's good a good tip for creating a memorable npc so mine is related my third one is quirkiness just give one quirk to the character you don't have to do more than one because again you've got to keep all these straight mm-hmm. but i think that again can make it very memorable and this is where as i was developing this list I thought this is, I know I've heard this in other, you know, D&D lists of suggestions where go to literature, go to movies, find mm, yes. a character that you like and you can lift those things. And so this this quirkiness, I can remember all the way back, even if it's just a funny laugh. I When we were doing the, the kids' adventure years ago mm-hmm. and I think there was a session where it might have just been your girls were the only ones there okay and you came across a shop owner and I didn't I, I kind of panicked because I didn't know what to do to make that memorable so I just decided I just made her nervous with a funny <laughs> laugh <laughs> after everything that after every <laughs> sentence yeah and you know things like that I think can be effective you can look into literature for these things. I, our, our rattlings are starting to chew on our flesh. This is bad. Um, so anyway, again, this is, a, this is, this is a whole new level of, of level of nerddom for me. But if you are a fan of Jane Austen, she is the master of a one note side character that just adds so much amusement hmm. to her stuff pride and prejudice you're focused on the lead romantic characters and all that but elizabeth bennett has a sister named mary who fancies herself an intellectual and everything she says is so vacuous that you just can't wait for the next thing she says because it's so so just eye-rollingly bad 
And she's got characters like that scattered through every single novel that she writes. The, the other one that jumped into my mind as far as an example of a really quirky character that's fun is Edna from The Incredibles. And she's, she's again, I think she's like the perfect example of a great NPC because you get the feeling she's hyper-competent, probably knows more and is more powerful than, in some ways, than the lead characters, uh, but she's just so out there and quirky in her worldview mm-hmm. that she's just fun to to listen to whenever she comes on on the... Uh, basically onto the onto the screen um so yes pick one quirky thing and just run with it i think that can make a an npc memorable yeah i was just i'm sitting here scrolling on my uh google machine trying to find the the name of this character but if you are a fan of the loki series season two has just recently come out and and there is a an npc that they have encountered at least that's how i'd put it in a if this were an adventure it's a guy who he's a, a a technician who works and repairs things, and he just has this. He's taken over the show, really. Kind of his, he's so big and and just quirky, and he and he and he knows things. Oribus is the name of that. Mm, uh, cool. Is the name of that character. Yeah, in fact, here I'm just reading off of, it says, described as the quirky repair guy, Wright explained that every piece of technology that the TVA was either designed by OB or that he knows how to fix it and keep it operational. And so he's really kind of integral to the story, but a a minor, generally would be seen as a minor character, but they've made this character so big. And so that actually kind of goes into my next one. And so my fourth one that fits along with Oribus from Loki is they should have something that the players want or need. It could be information. It could be influence to get them, to help them get something. It could be something that the, that NPC is there to help them, whether it's in combat or I don't know what other kind of help there is. Maybe this NPC has equipment or can fix something like Oribus from Loki. Otherwise, it's it's kind of like, why is this NPC here? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be even be, when I say what they want or need, it could be something that is in contrast to what they want, like you were saying, with competition. Mm-hmm. And so there, there needs to be some purpose as to why the NPC needs to be there. Again, that makes the connection for the players. My fourth one actually is pretty much on point with that as well. I put generous and supportive. And I think the theme that comes along is anything you can do to create an emotional attachment to the NPC is going to make the game more memorable and more fun for the players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what better way? Well, there is one, I think there is one better, so that's going to be my last one. But up until that one, what better than to make a character that's generous and supportive of the party? And, you know, this can be a, a you know, a tavern keep that intervenes and stops other NPCs from talking trash about them or, mm-hmm. you know, happens to compliment them and be very encouraging. Uh, again, examples of this in that, that, that sprang to mind from pop culture is Phil Coulson from The Avengers. Yes. Just Great always example. there. And, and they do such a good job with him if you follow the arc of the first couple phases because, honestly, when he first appears, you kind of think he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then slowly you realize what he really is and how helpful he is. Right. And and another, this is, you know, from literature, and it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a digression, but it's such a cool character I want to share it because it might it might spark some ideas um, 
in in DMs. Um, David Copperfield, there is a character in there, aunt, his aunt Betsy, yeah, who is okay. just just an amazing character. Uh, the story of David Copperfield very quickly is his. I think his father died before he was born. His mother remarries, and the man is somewhat cold. Uh, and then the mother dies, and the man turns out to be just horrific and uh, just cruel, sends David Copperfield to a workhouse and mm-hmm. treats him terrible. And the boy finally decides to run away, and the only relative he has is Aunt Betsy. But from from what he's heard, she's almost as bad as this stepfather. But he takes a chance. He goes to her, and she's this very upright, stern-faced older woman that just looks amazingly frightening and she's very sharp with him mm-hmm. very abrupt and when he gets to her she's like you're a runaway and he she like grabs him and kind of holds him at her house and then the the she gets word that the uh, the stepdad is coming to take him back mm-hmm. and the way that it's set up is as a reader you're you're actually somewhat convinced she'll let him do that oh and the the stepdad comes in and tells her all the bad things about David Copperfield, and his he gets to hear it. His heart drops. The reader's heart drops, and then Aunt Betsy just turns it and just tears into the stepdad. Just <laughs> says how awful he is and what a horrible person he is and how dare he. And the stepdad actually has his sister with him, and she is trying to get in on this and, and attack Aunt Betsy. And Aunt Betsy won't even listen to her, just ignores her absolutely. And, and you're, just, there's a, you're just cheering as a reader mm-hmm. that this, this character that you thought might be bad turns out to be a protector. Nice. So I think if there's a way to do that in, in a game, particularly with low-level characters, yeah. that that can be a very an emotional hook that will mm-hmm. keep them there. That's super cool. This is why at the opening of the show I said, I think I'm just going to sit back and listen to your list because I love (laughs) these examples that you're pulling out. And uh, I actually have a desire now to read David David Copperfield. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) That sounds really cool. Honestly, I I say Dickens' books are usually way too long for me and too depressing, but that one's actually a pretty good Mm -hmm. one. Sounds good. Let's see. I'm thinking you still have one left, right? I do. Let me go ahead and let you do that one next, okay. and then I'll finish up because I have a very generalized uh, conclusion to my list. Okay. So the final way that I think you can make a memorable memorable NPC, and again, I'm thinking in terms of just putting the emotional hooks in, is tragic. Oh. Explain. Now, now yeah, this that's is, cool. Again, now this is – you have to be careful with this one because if it's too tragic and they're killed off, then that's it. You know, you know but it's it can be the memory of them. Mm-hmm. Um have you know maybe there maybe there's someone that starts out as a you know powerful friend or whatever but as the characters advance in level and become powerful as well and they return maybe that character has been victimized by the big bad guy mm-hmm. there could even be death i i was the example that popped into my mind was again from dungeons and drakenheim this is near the end of their first season i don't want to give spoilers um, it's okay. It's been so out a long it's been time. Out, yeah, that's so. true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> it's my fault that I haven't finished it that's, yet. So <laughs> go right ahead. So Jupiter Jones, who I mentioned earlier, he starts out as a competitor, but by the end, they have kind of grown past him and he becomes an ally. And he goes cool. with them into the final boss fight. And mm-hmm. he wades in against this monster and literally gets ripped apart. Oh, wow. And, and as a 
as a as a listener, I was like, oh, no, yeah, no, we just started liking him. So that can be very powerful mm-hmm. again to your to your players. Um, but again, that's that was kind of final. But there are interesting arcs that you can do with tragic. You just gave me an idea. You just gave me an idea. So, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. okay, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna carry with that. But but yeah, and I'm thinking that it, you know if it is a situation like that with Jupiter Jones, it could potentially, and again, not knowing, not having finished yet, it could be a rallying cry or give the players some special motivation that they might not have had before. Mm. If it is the death or the entrapment or the capture of an NPC, whether loved or not, you know, yeah. maybe maybe it's like, oh, they were kind of bad, but they don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's something worse than that NPC. Oh, and speaking of, sorry to interrupt, but when I ran my daughter's group through the Telesaria one. Oh yeah. Um, our taxis actually does die um, fighting on their side. Oh wow. I didn't know that. Oh, that's he cool. Gets, he gets just obliterated by the, um, the Dragloth. He was getting beat up with us in the yeah. Dragloth, but we, we managed to yeah. uh, not let that happen yeah. or I don't remember exactly what happened, but yes. And my, Cause my, we put him up against the Dragloth too. Yeah. Or we allowed him to. Yeah. yeah. And my daughter said later that she, the whole, the whole, table just went silent and in shock mm-hmm. that that happened so yeah. that can be effective too that is cool so i don't know i'm as we were go as we've been going through this it sounds like the best way to build a memorable npc is to spend hours making it <laughs> and and having to know ahead of time okay they might go here they might go here how am i gonna a lot of this happens on the fly yes Um, or the, the way I've handled it, and maybe it's not the right way. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way, but a lot of times you guys in Waterdeep will encounter somebody and on the fly, I create some sort of personality or I create this or that. And then it's, it's in the time after that play that I'm like, okay, they've established this person as someone who's going to like, when I had no idea you guys were going to befriend everybody in the alley. (laughs) That was not, that was not anticipated. So after you had kind of gone around and met ever met all your neighbors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, okay, so they're going to do this. I had to go and create personalities and, you know, motivations for all of the people in there. So sometimes the development of building a memorable NPC happens after the session after you discover that the players have made some sort of connection with them. You did that. Yeah, you did that. And, and again, or maybe we could, I mean, you definitely allowed it to happen, but I could see how it was the interplay between players and you mm-hmm. because there was a character. Yes, one of those neighbors was supposed to be a foil. They were supposed yes. to be a bad guy. And we... It, you guys. we Yeah, we, <laughs> we were able to get him over to our side and then... He got killed by the big bad. Yep. And that was a very emo- strong emotional reaction. I know for me as a player, because I was I was thinking, no, wait, he's he's turned over a new leaf. He's going to, you know, and you've taken away his possibility of redemption. And yeah. and uh so that that created just for my character such a strong motivation of vengeance on the bad guy. And that's where the that because there were kind of, it was, the bad guy was Ashen Malor. Mm-hmm. And that's where she kind of became the top. You guys have been most concerned about Dagger Don for so mm-hmm. long that when that happened, uh, Ashen Malor kind of became enemy number one. And just so you know, 
that's what you get for not letting him be the foil. <laughs> Killed him off. No, that's not actually how that happened. It, just, it was by, by circumstances and yeah. the way in which the game went, but it worked out really well. I wanted to put that out there, that, this, that do not try to anticipate and build NPCs on what you are expecting to be minor characters. That comes, in my experience, that comes after you discover who they want to make connections with. Mm-hmm. You know, some of your main characters, yeah, go ahead and do that. So how do you go about, we've talked a lot about the personality and the role play of these characters, but what about, how do I make the character? And so I just wanted to point out as my number five is that there's all sorts of literature out there. And I, mean, I don't mean the kind of literature you're talking about. I think the literature you're talking about for inspiration as mm-hmm. to who and how and why are great. But I'm talking about like feet on the ground DM. How many hit points did this person have? You know, I didn't I didn't know how many hit points the barkeep Froon had. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to use something to create that. And so uh, my number five is to use the books. And there, the DM's guide has a section uh, on creating NPCs that goes into depth. So when you have someone you know you're going to put some some weight into, you can use those charts and things. They even have ideas for motivations and all that sort of thing. Right. right. If you need something really quick, and this is where I went for Froon, uh, who is the barkeep, in the Dungeon Master's Guide, Appendix B is where they have stat blocks for several common people. Okay. okay. A knight, a nobleman, uh, that kind of stuff. And you might, you know, in all of these, you make adjustments based on what you need and what you want, but they're good starting places. There's also several supplemental uh, NPC books and generators. Uh, You want to modify probably those to fit what you need, but I found a few that work really well. One is a book titled The Game Master's Book of uh, Non-Player Characters by Jeff Ashworth. Interestingly, I picked this up at Michael's. Mm. (laughs) But I think if you go on Amazon and you just put in, I think if you just start with The Game Master's Book of, there are several in the series, but there's one on NPCs. And there are more NPCs in that book. It can be overwhelming, so don't get too deep into the weeds on it. Use the, t- use the table of contents and sort of work your way that way. Mm-hmm. But then also, don't forget that pre-published adventures are loaded with NPCs. That's where Joblob came from and a few other people that you've encountered. All the people in the, in the street that you've mentioned or that, that you guys went and met in the alley, they are in that adventure book, the Dragons, uh, Dragon of Water, Waterdeep, or I forget what the book is called now. But so... You know, you can go to pre-made adventures for uh, inspiration. There's also, as I said, third-party books like our friend Andrew Kaywood has a whole series of books on monsters, monsters in the dungeon, monsters of the Feywild, monsters of uh, the city. Um, Now, again, most of those are monsters, but he has a lot of NPC-like characters in there that you can build off of. Our other friends, Limitless 5e. Yes. I just bought a book of NPCs from them. Nice. And they've got, I think, at least two volumes, possibly mm. more. So that's another good source. So use, I mean, if you want to invent the wheel from scratch because it's a special NPC, by all means, go to the Dungeon Master's Guide or just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, you're trying to work on seven or eight people that the that the party just met in this last adventure, go to those books. They yep. will save you a ton of time and probably give you some inspiration as to how to develop these characters a little bit deeper because they do give ideas for that kind of thing too. 
Cool. Good list. I like I like both. Uh, I like your angle on bringing some fictional characters in from literature or movies mm-hmm. to use as inspiration. I think the books practical are practical advice from you yeah. are nice. Uh, yeah, for for that as well. So if you are building some NPCs and you come up with a interesting way of developing them, or you have a way of developing them prior to the game, like maybe you have some just ideas set aside in case the characters come across somebody mm-hmm. you can just draw from a deck that would be cool too we'd love to hear about those ideas that you have yeah in making npcs memorable npcs at that so reach out to us on social media all of that is at the beginning of the show or in our show notes give us an email to let us know give us some details we'd love to share it on the, a future show so with that hey until next week let those npcs roll those 20s for you <laughs> talk to you next week that wraps up today's session so thank you for listening to teachers in the dungeon we appreciate you and your feedback until the next time we see you in the dungeon we hope you roll high on those saving throws if you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure subscribe to the podcast have questions thoughts or ideas check the show notes for our website and our contact information This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.